Uh, now, now uh, you two are experts on German spelling. So does Munich have the little <laughs> umlaut thing above the U's, or did I just insert that in there? No, no, it does not. Is that, okay. To my you, knowledge, it does not have it. I think that's where Motley Crue comes from. Oh, okay. They're from <laughs> Munich. That explains a lot of that. Yeah. It does. I actually spent about 15 minutes the other day during uh, our family dinner explaining ASCII and Unicode. <laughs> huh. Wow. And, and I... And I mentioned the umlaut and all the European like special letters. Now, and now, were like, now, did you, did you pitch the value of moving from ASCII to Unicode? Did you kind of cover that? Was that covered in oh, your yeah. explanation? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we talked about we talked about um, you know the, emojis. Uh, That's how, did you talk about emojis? That seems the we, most we important part of. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And you know, I explained to them what the eggplant was, and you know. <laughs> Um, there were, there were, you know, lots of tangents explaining like binary, uh, and zeros and ones representing letters and numbers and yeah. Went all the way down to the silicon. Like I I was, I was talking with, uh, with our buddy Andrew Schaefer once and, uh, he, he kept, he kept kind of hinting at me that he wanted to explain unikernels, which is fine. And, uh, so he started explaining them. And next thing I know, he's, he's explaining to me how computer chips work. And like, whoa, where's the docker of unikernels? Cause I don't want to know how LXC works in unikernel. I don't <laughs> understand. What, so, so I ask you, Matt Ray, what is a unikernel? Oh, geez. <laughs> See, and in my mind, I'm picturing you like my wife just holding a glass of wine, just slowly sipping it, like get it over with. <laughs> oh, were you talking with ASCII? How did that, how did that, how did that even come up? Oh, jeez. I think I had to get it off my chest, man. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something we've been having a lot of, on. No, we, we've had a lot of deep conversations around the dinner table, you know, the last mm. couple of weeks. We, mm. yeah, we, we, we talked about the moon landing the other night, you know, it yes. was topical. Sure. And uh, for some reason, we talked about 9-11, which, you know, happened before uh, two of my kids were born. Mm. Um, or, no, before they were all born. Uh and yeah, but we hadn't really talked about it, I guess. And then, <laughs> oh, last the last night was kind of like why you can never trust the president. <laughs> wow, is is which, is which is kind of like a sad conversation to have because you're like, uh, well, you're now set up for a lifetime of not trusting anyone in power. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It, but you know, now now I'm thinking tomorrow is a perfect time for you and your wife to go over your wills. <laughs> yeah, like, like you kind of just round up the uh, the exciting, optimistic dinner table conversation. You know, I I wanted to tell him you know never trust anyone over thirty, but uh, you know, except except me, except your parents, exactly, exactly, right? We're, we're you know at least we're being transparent. Right? Never trust anyone over thirty, boy. So what we've learned here so far is don't go to dinner at Matt Ray's house. Number one recommendation this week. And there are and, no there are no dots over the U in Munich. And then uh <laughs> the other thing, just to lighten the mood a little bit, I just put a, a link in the show notes there to uh the two hundred and thirty new emojis that are being released here in twenty nineteen. So it's a very important yeah. list. Make sure you and look it, through that. And uh I'm, it's incredible. The skin tones. I think that's why there's there's so many mm. different skin tones, which leads to like which is good. I mean, but it just leads to a lot of emojis. You're like, oh yeah. an emoji and so uh yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, the emoji in, people in con- have been working hard. In, in our conversation, we talked about, you know, how many numbers you can represent with, you know, two to the 16th and 
Oh That's my god. People are zoning out right at that point. Were you like doing the whole binary like conversion? No, no, my, big Edian, kid, little Edian. Look, I know how to read the crowd. Like, you know, they were asking questions. I was ready to stop, but they were uh-huh. like, Well, you know, why about why this? Why that? Yeah. They gotta get a unicernal. That's basically Yeah, see see how I didn't talk about unicernals? Quantum computing with I know how to read the crowd. Nobody wants to talk about unicernals. Nobody cares about unicernals. This Watson. They just want to know about Watson. So so then back Back to the Munich thing. I'm here in Munich, which does not have two O's. Uh, I, I was, I was, uh, I was doing. Uh, I was at a meetup, giving a meetup. One, uh, there was alcohol-free beer at at the meetup, which I did not realize was legal in Munich, uh, <laughs> but it was there. And Is that I because they just don't know how to drink anything but beer. <laughs> That's a very inclusive thing. idea. That's that, we should probably uh, promote that. It's like a nice idea. It's nice. For yeah, people. yeah. No, no. It, it was nice, and and I did. I have to say, I did consider drinking some alcohol-free beer, and then I looked at like the caloric content. And you got to be, you got. So if you're over here in Europe, you got to be careful, because what they do is they list the nutrients or what? It, well, what do we call it there? I've forgotten a nutrient label. They list it, but they do it in not in the whole container. They do it in, I guess we have serving size serving, in, yeah. in 100 milligrams. Uh, you know, I think, I think up in the UK, they probably do like, you know, two stones or something. But they do, it, <laughs> they do it in 100 milligrams. And so if you just glance at it, you'll be like, oh, this beer is only 75 calories. But then you realize it's actually like, you know, a third of a liter uh, and being, you know, metered <clears throat> out. But the whole point is that it's like alcohol v- beer, but it's like the same. It's like it's like beer with none of the enjoyment and all of the, like you know, <laughs> all of the calories. Yeah. Did do they put things in kilojoules? Yeah, yeah. What is that? Is that is that part of Unicode? Uh, wow. I have no idea. I'm so so glad. Like I have made an effort not to learn kilojoules, so I never know what I'm eating. Is that the European version of calorie? Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. something. Yeah. Oh. They have that in Australia. I never know oh, what wow. things but, are. I'm but, like, oh, this is the metric system gone wrong. This is this is the final draw. But they listen. Now, now, I'm, now I'm going back. Now I'm against the metric system. If that yeah. is that is indeed. I'm I'm adding it to the list. There's two things on my list. I call this the uh, go fuck yourself list. One, k k joules or whatever they are. Two Celsius. Those two things don't care. They just need to go away. <laughs> not interested. <laughs> Uh, my wife would like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, speaking of Celsius, it's really hot here. I mean, or or in other words, as as three Texans talking with each other, it's uh, it's reminding me of home. It's like the weather yeah. back home, which I guess you you know we would call it hot. Actually, my watch right now says it's eighty degrees, but it's ten fifteen p.m. and uh, usually it's gotten up to like ninety two or ninety five. I, I believe you mean twenty one. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, and, and as, as I've said before, the thing is there's just no air conditioning over here. There is in my fancy hotel room. It's actually not that fancy. It's a courtyard uh, Marriott by the train station, which is nice. I walked in here and they said, uh, your room's an upgrade, which I always appreciate. Uh, and they said everything in the mini bar is free. Uh, and it took me a while to find the mini bar, but there's, there's a couple of Heineken's in there and some Pepsi and other things. Yeah. And they're cold. Yeah, I've never heard of this. So you get, have you ever been to a place where the, the mini bar is free, where you haven't like you know lost twenty thousand dollars at the casino? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, fair enough. <sighs> All right. Well, here's here's uh, so so 
like I said, it gets hot. There's no AC. We have fans. And I and people have been running around talking about buying air conditioners. Now the problem is, uh, especially in Amsterdam, and this this is you can tell it's a cultural thing having cold air. And the problem is, uh, the the windows are those. Um, I don't even know what to call them, but you know, in 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 uh, in, in the states or America, you have those windows that are like they like slide up. So there's like a square area and you can have it go up and down. But here they have windows that are like doors that like open outward, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if you imagine getting one of those ACs that has like an exhaust, yep, it doesn't really work. You'd have to like get, um, what's that stuff in a spray can called? Great stuff that like you spray it out and it becomes foam. You'd have to just like, oh yeah, your window. Because otherwise, you know, you just have a wide open window there. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of changes that are going to need to happen. What with the, uh, the global warming. So yeah, they're they're catching up with my my grandmother's house from 50 years ago with the window mounted AC unit. Uh yeah, I love a window. You know, I in college when I was at the clothing optional vegan hippie co-op, I had a window unit, and and I think I paid something like extra. five or ten dollars extra a month for it, which is which I. And then they did they shame you for for you know hurting the environment uh, you know the, no there was there was really not that <laughs> that amount of shame but there were some people like who didn't have acs and i mean i don't i don't know how poor you have to be to like, live <laughs> in texas and not pay a few dollars extra a month to uh, have an ac i mean when i saw that i was like yes why is this a question please take did, did, <laughs> did those did those clothing op- option <laughs> those clothing optional vegan hippies invite themselves over to your room a lot uh no they they did not but but there was there was like a little hallway where we had our uh our our internet we got our internet from spaceship.com if you remember them mm, and, good times. and uh it was kind of closed off and you could close off this alcove that uh the, the internet was in and so sometimes i think we would do that and, and you could ac that area with my power because of course you don't have to pay for the power you just rent the unit but yeah it was a nice crispy unit well, like, just get like coming out, uh, broadening the conversation a little bit. Like, I haven't been to Europe a lot lately, but even when I've been there, I've always been like, it gets hot there. It's just like it gets cold in Australia. Is there? Is it just that I'm, I like a very narrow temperature, or like why? Why is there such, a, yeah, know, yeah, call it resistance to just central AC, central heat? I it's mean, a good question. I mean, it it's seems you know here in the U.S., like almost anywhere. I guess Seattle. I was thinking where. Seattle and San Diego, I guess, are the places where people often don't have central AC. That's pretty. Feels so. San Diego, they'll have AC, but maybe not heating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. maybe I I think. I I think there's a general principle I've learned in Europe is that it's expensive, and like, (laughs) like people, people will just cut costs, right? Which, which, which makes sense, right? So the logic, the the logic goes like, well, there is, um, let's say at worst case scenario, about three to four weeks worth of like hot temperatures, right? Where, where it's just hot. Done. I need AC. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> I think <laughs> you reached my, really you could yeah, have said yeah. one day. The, but the, like, the European, the European mindset is just like, so why would I pay extra, right? Oh, like as a society uh-huh. for this, which, okay. you know, there are spreadsheets in which that makes sense, but I'm on your side, Brandon. I'm like, well, how about those other months where it's not cold outside. Turn it off. And I would also like the AC on so that it's yeah. like, you know, I get that crisp electric AC feel on everything, right? Oh, I mean, like, yeah. like it's, it's the best. It must be like yeah. ice. Like, that's, it just must be wired into the American culture, like AC, yeah. ice cubes. Oh, in Europe, I just don't want that. I don't need that yeah. stuff. 
Yeah. Real actuarial tables. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but you know, if, on the other hand, it's a good excuse to start wearing shorts again. You can bike around Thing, things are, uh, I don't know. It's, it is, it's kind of fun for it to be hot. Now, now just to wrap up the topic, uh, the one issue is right. So, so you're, you're, you're like over there, you know, you're, you're back in Texas. It's really hot outside. In, in my mind, it's always like, I'm willing to go outside even during the hottest time of the day, right? Like take the dog on a walk or like pretend like I'm having fun at the park or whatever. And uh, it's going to be really hot and sweaty, but then I'm going to get back home and it's going to be ice cold, right? Mm-hmm. Now you can mm-hmm. imagine in a land of no AC, what happens is you go like you go outside and get really hot and then you come back home and you're like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> you're like, now I'm just going to. I'm just going to sit here and yeah. <laughs> so basically what you can do is go to the airport that is air conditioned. They even brought in extra air conditioning units. You can go to the airport, which is air conditioned or just like take a two hour Uber drive. And <laughs> <laughs> where are you going? Wow. I'm just here for the AC. Want right. a big yeah. loop. Do a loop around the city. Yeah. Uh, there's an extra dollar in it. If you keep it at max. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just want to drive to Utrecht and back. Let's just do uh-huh. that. Yeah. Friend yeah. of the environment, Kote. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, that's the other thing is like, it must be one of these compounding things where like, uh, if you were to, it gets hotter. So you install ACs, which probably like makes it hotter. And, yeah. and then, and then the country floods or something happens that beats me, man. Beats me. This, you know, this raises a question. I was thinking, I'm pretty sure, uh, if I were to go back to maybe like many centuries, like I think the Netherlands was basically like a swamp that was filled mm-hmm. in. Right. Which, yeah, totally cool. Uh, um, and it's also made me think like nowadays, I don't think you would be able to do that because of like the earth, right? Like you couldn't just go like fill in the Everglades and like build new parts of Florida. That would just, just people would just like, you know, shit bricks out of their eyeballs if, if you were like doing something like that. But I was thinking like, and I should just look this up, but like, are there other swamps in Europe? Like, I don't, <laughs> I can't think of like swampy places, but there must be swamps somewhere. Uh, well, I mean, I think Venice is kind of swamped in. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Huh. huh. Yeah. I mean, does it, does it, hmm. I need to look up what constitutes a swamp versus, <laughs> versus a bog versus like a city that has a lot of canals. Semantics. It's always semantics. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, you know, speaking of semantics, let's say that you had a, uh, a bunch of stuff that you were monitoring and, and you wanted to figure out like there's, there's, 50 different things that I could semantically interpret this error message to be or oh, this, yeah. uh, this chart going the wrong direction. What, what's something you might use to help you just figure out what's going on in your infrastructure world? Well, Kote, I'm glad you asked. Um, this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their application performance monitoring tools, PaperTrail. Diagnosing an application error, a sudden spike in event messages, or a customer service ticket Get to the root cause fast using PaperTrail, powerful cloud-based log management designed for engineers by engineers. With PaperTrail, you can streamline troubleshooting with live tail to see events in real time or search through hours of logs in a few seconds. As you work, you can save searches and create alerts without leaving the event viewer, and there's nothing to install or set up so you can be up and running in a few minutes. And now, the brand new integration of PaperTrail with SolarWinds AppOptics brings powerful application performance monitoring and distributed tracing together with log management, enabling you to identify performance and availability issues even faster while significantly reducing MTTR. To learn more or to try SolarWinds PaperTrail for free, go to papertrailapp.com slash SDT, all lowercase, and make troubleshooting fun again. 
Well, we discussed that we have, we have two ads again. So I think we're, we're going to try out uh, the, the interstitial uh, plan called Geographic Oddities. Now, oh, I came up with fine. it. So I'm not going to force Brandon and, uh, and, and the other one, Matt. <laughs> the other one <laughs> i went again to, to come up with a geographic oddity so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna come up with a geographic oddity that again i'm in munich that i noticed here in munich and that is so i was told uh embarrassingly i don't remember but i was told that w- on the way to my hotel i should walk by the uh the oldest beer garden and on their sign uh according it's like augustine something i probably got that wrong but according to their sign they uh, were created sometime in the uh, 1300s the person who recommended this, they told me that uh, it was also where people were executed. Uh, we, we quickly agreed might have been the, the, the impetus to create a beer garden. I'm not sure. Uh, Which came first? That's right. Which came first, the beheading or the beer garden? You're going to uh, pay for that beer, right? Right? <laughs> there's no, no more, there's no more uh, tranchers to clean. Uh, yeah. Uh, but so I was walking over there, you know, dragging my suitcase like, like, a, like a touristy thing, but whatever. It's, you know, it's fine. And, and I kept hearing these little like dings, like little bike dings. And it make me, made me think like, oh, it's like I'm back in Amsterdam. And what I realized uh, is that there, there's sidewalks here and they have bike lines like built into the sidewalks. And of course, you're in a touristy area by this beer garden. So people are, are walking over it and all the, is it a Muniker, are doing their little polite dings. And then some of them are not so polite. But the issue is, listen, listen. I've only lived in Amsterdam for a year, but I feel like I, watching this, I feel like I've now become a mildly an expert on uh, city bike stuff. And I feel I, you know, even when people in Amsterdam like ding their bikes in the tourist zone and, and like kind of like do this getting upset thing, I kind of feel like, hey, you know where you are, right? Like you are in the center of the Amsterdam tourist zone. And there's a lot of people here who are either willfully incapacitated or were born that way. And they just <laughs> don't really like get it. And they didn't figure it out. So like, what were you expecting? Right. But outside of the tourist zone, it makes sense uh, to ding at people. But here, they just to sort of there's like an insufficient bike infrastructure that like, you know, I saw a few people like getting upset that people were walking there. But then if you look at the sidewalks where people were supposed to walk, it was full of bikes parked there. So you couldn't walk there. So, oh man! I, like you the, know, the, the cars of the pedestrian ways. I know, I know. It's, and and so, so my geographic oddity. I don't really. I mean, that was the oddity. But it's essentially like, listen, if you're on a bike and you're in a highly congested pedestrian place, just lower your expectations. You don't have to get mad. It'll be fine. And, and especially if you're in an area here where, like, it's not really like a fully viable out thing. It's uh, you got to share the sidewalk with. with mm. Cote says, chill out, people. That's right. <laughs> chill, chill the fuck <laughs> out. out. Which, you know, that was a topic I was going to open up. We don't really have enough time for that in, in geographic oddities. But I think, I think it's a broader topic. I'm always, I'm always, uh, I'm always sort of circling around. Like, like one version of it is like, you know, what do people do for fun? Or, or is that, that have, you, have you all seen the, uh, the new Pee Wee movie yet? No. Yeah. Well, I there's, there's a, you haven't seen that? Oh, boy. I, I should recommend that. But there, there's a good part where he's, uh, he's on an Amish farm and he's talking to the Amish people. And he, and he's, he, asks, he asks them, like, what do you do for, uh, for fun? And they don't really know the answer. And they're like, oh, Pee Wee, what do you do for fun? Uh, they don't know the word. 
anyways, you know, one of my questions is always what people do for fun. And uh, I was thinking a, a, another good topic for another time is like the, uh, the fleeting nature of joy. How do people mm-hmm. hold on to it as, uh, as their life progresses? But speaking of the fleeting nature of joy, sometimes <laughs> you, uh, your, your users are having a good time with their, your application in the UI layer. You've done some great JavaScript. You know, you've moved beyond like drop down things. You're enforcing uh, those interminable like phone number formats that no one can figure out. And also, you've extensively used JavaScript to ensure that I can always pa- paste a password with uh, Apple V instead of having to right-click to paste a password yes. because of something. I, I have yeah. no idea why that occurs. It probably involves two-factor authentication or something that I'm not aware of. Encryption, yes, of yeah, course. It's, 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 got your, it's encrypted. But let's say that suddenly your JavaScripts are not working and I cannot paste a password. Is there some way that I, as an application developer, might be able to figure out what's going on? There is. There is. This episode is also sponsored by TrackJS. And guess what? You have logs about what happens on your servers, in your clouds, and across your networks. But what about the end user's browser? For better or worse, everything is put together with JavaScript and the UI. Do you know when it breaks? TrackJS error monitoring for JavaScript quickly integrates with your front end, regardless of framework. So you know when problems impact your users. TrackJS installs in minutes and provides context about what the user, network, and application were doing leading up to errors. It's like having an airplane's black box in your UI. So you can find, recreate, and fix problems fast. TrackJS is an engineer-owned cloud service that gives you visibility to client-side issues. Try it for free at trackjs.com slash sdt and i wanted to tell them the trackjs they have a great landing page with our logo on it and we were in the slack this week uh some people said all the people at trackjs are good people and hey who am i to argue with the slack uh software defined talk uh person so go check them out and of course tell them your friends that software defined talk sent you there's there's a there's a rule of of transitive podcast listeners i think that if uh, you get you got the you got the software defined talk slack people they're good so if they say someone good, you got a, you got an A equals B, B equals C, therefore A equals C situation. Is that did I get that one right? Done. That, yeah. Yes, okay. transitive, yes. perfect. That philosophy degree kicking in. Man, man, I remember. I remember when I was presented with those like basic mathematical laws in in I don't know school at some point, and the thought occurred to me like I am fucked. I am never going <laughs> to for all of this. This and then here you are. are. Forget about you're putting it. That, you're putting it all to use years yeah. later. Yeah, like and and then see me now. And then also, uh, the the part of town I live in, like all the streets are named after like scientists and things. And Ooh. I live on a street named after Pythagoras. So oh. like, all the time I'm like, you know, a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Am I right? That's oh. where I live. And people just look. At me. <laughs> and, and, and here you are making fun of my dinner conversations. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Pythagorean theorem, the the Unicode of ancient Greece. <laughs> uh well there, there was a lot of cloud stuff running around we got the we got the yeah. magic quadrant came out oh i always love the magic quadrant. to to name check him twice in a row quickly followed by the uh, charles fitzgerald make fun of the uh, cloud magic quadrant thing what was it oh, lots of people seattle, made fun of it lesser seattle <laughs> and whatever the other place mm-hmm. and uh and then and then microsoft came out with some earning uh things and i think one some financial analysts if i remember estimated that their cloud revenues were uh now matched i'm going to call them on-premise revenues i assume it includes like xbox and i don't know i guess xbox is on-premise right uh, i don't know it's kind of cloudy 
Yeah, they got the Xbox service. Uh, and all. Xbox yeah. Live. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah well, now, now, do you think do you think you would bundle Xbox Live in cloud revenue and then count the actual console and licensing for games as on premise revenue, or would you bundle? Depends, it depends on how much you needed that revenue. That's oh, exactly. Like, how, the answer is always the same. <laughs> are you going to put mainframes in clouds, Cote? Yeah. If you need to do it, you're going to do it. I mean, <laughs> what if what if the mainframe talks to a cloud? That's a cloud. What that's if a, a database cloud. uses the internet to check its license state? Whoa. That's, <laughs> that's cloud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love that cloud. But so I, I have not gotten, uh, aside from the, uh, the Fitzgerald, the, the, talking about geographic oddities, the geographic oddification of the Magic Quadrant. But Brandon, I think you have looked over it if, if, uh, if thoroughly. Well, it's interesting. I mean, a couple... A couple of things that are kind of interesting. So this used to be the IaaS Magic Quadrant, but now I think the official name is the Cloud Infrastructure Magic Quadrant. And of course, if you have been following this one, there used to be, I think there were upwards of like 20 vendors on the maybe the original yeah. one. And so now we are down to just six. There are just six. I'm just going to use the old term. There are really only six people doing infrastructure as a service now in the cloud. So no surprise here. Amazon Web Services leads the way. Microsoft in second with less, uh, I guess we would say slightly less ability to execute. And then Google uh, has made its way just into the uh, the bottom corner of the leaders quadrant, which is good. Oh, so, they, they weren't they weren't in there before. They were not. Yeah, in there. I need the no. I need the animated GIF version of this where it shows like you know things. Yeah, it shows them over, oh, yeah. over time. Yeah, that's always a good yeah. So that's so, so clearly, I don't think anyone's surprised. But those are the three major public cloud vendors, and so Google's clearly legitimizing itself more, at least in the eyes of Google. And then the rounding out the the rest of them that are always in uh, niche player, never a good time. Net, like whenever you get it back and you're in the niche player, you're like, oh, there will be email emails will be sent, meetings will be had. So that uh, unless you're moving up, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that again, you, you know, if you're showing well, progress, it's but the problem is no as yeah, coaching. But, but, this is usually where someone's in emails like, we should sue them. We should sue Gardner. Like, this is always the first, like, wherever you are, you're like, we should sue them. And then it's a lot of personal attacks. They don't get it. They don't understand. It's just, anyway, I, we could go on and on about that. You, you got to educate them. But, but, but my point is like, you know, as long as you're continuing to show progress, that's good. But what happens? Yeah, when you fall happens, back. Say, yeah. When when you fall off, does well, the scale Well, mostly people get fired. That's what happens. That's 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 <laughs> well, the time. Well, definitely there. But I'm just saying like, you know, Hey, way to go, you know, Oracle and Alibaba. Maybe maybe they're making progress towards, you know, the upper right. But what happens if IBM falls off? Do they like does the gap widen? Does it reset yeah. the scale? Well, that's just to round it out. So the three people in uh the only other three on here, and they're all the niche players. Alibaba Cloud, Oracle, which is I guess we'd say they're the I guess they're not technically. I guess them and Alibaba are kind of like set, you know, kind of equal. And then IBM's slightly below both of them. So so that's it. You're just down to after all the cloud. Wars, you know, are said and done. We're down to just really three major players, three niche players, which are obviously all very large companies still have a staying power. So maybe the net net of this is you have to be a gargantuan company with a ton of resources to even stay in this game. I think that would maybe be the takeaway. And then I don't know for really moving up for vaunting your, you know, if you, I don't know, you know, cause this would be the action plan for all the people in the niche player segment. It's like, I don't know, you're gonna have to spend a lot of money to move up. And then of course, or Gardner is going to want you to fill out these very long spreadsheets with like these answers, you know, about like, what is your plan? What is your strategy? But they're also going to see a bunch of numbers. They're going to see this incredible client growth 
So that's the only way you're really going to move all the way up to the yeah. quadrant. So tough task, but this market is like, I don't know, it really dwindled over the last, say, five years. You know, if, if I'm one of the niche players, I'll look at that and I think, I'm going to buy Gartner. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be you cheaper know, than Gartner. That is yeah. never, that would actually be, I have not seen that email. I've seen almost everything else. Someone, there's someone just, <laughs> guys, you know what we're going to do? We're going to buy that. We're going to buy Gartner. And that would be look, like the Rupert, the uh, quadrant. Yeah, that would be like a media mogul attempt to it. It's like, yep, that newspaper's calling us this problem. We're just going to buy it. Hey, someone get on the horn. We're buying the New York Times. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. That would be interesting. I would like to see someone try. It'd be interesting. Magic Quadrant <laughs> is fake news. Oh, <laughs> did, did they, did, in the stuff you saw, did they go over like the criteria or the decision matrix or anything? I didn't see that, but I guess what they came down to, this was their quick analysis. They say AWS is by far the biggest, but they roll out stuff the fastest, and they often require a lot of engineering updates before they become feature-rich. That was their pro-con. And then in the case of Azure, they said Azure is doing good, but they had a lot of performance outages. This is not me speaking. This is what the people say. This is what Gardner people say. So they said they had some outages this year. So that was like their ding. And then Google basically say after Google has spent most of its time on cloud native companies, but now they are focusing in on you know, infrastructure as a service. And then, of course, they mentioned Thomas Curry. I'm like, talk about someone just, just being credited for everything. Google does anything. They're like, well, Thomas Curry's here. He's doing it. So um, it sounds like their, their uh, mission is to become more enterprise. So can they support the enterprise? Um, so I think this generally, I mean, I think this kind of comes down to Google has really good tech, but not necessarily good enterprise go to market and that's what Thomas Graham's yeah. doing, right? Microsoft has good tech or good enterprise support and like, you know, they have like some really big like Microsoft Office 365 and some huge cloud applications and they're doing an, a decent job on infrastructure, right? That seems to be what I think people would say there. And then AWS is just the behemoth, right? It's like, they're almost like, they're just so big that like, ah, things don't always work on the first try, but they eventually get it right. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I tend to agree with that. So, so I, I was asking that because, because, and, and, and let me, let me just book in because I'll want to get back to being, uh, uh, you know, facetious and underhanded. But let me just book in that I'm not trying to be facetious and underhanded here. Cause I, I was suspecting that, you know, the, uh, uh, what would you call it? The cliche, the, ex, the uh, accepted analysis of Google Cloud is exactly what you just said is, well, to rephrase it, it's great technology. Developers love it, but they just goof up the enterprise sale. Or, or, or as people will say, they don't understand enterprise. And so, so my, you know, so it would be interesting to see how, I don't have a Gartner account anymore, but it'd be interesting to see, I guess someone has it free. I can probably go get it by, you know, having Johnny Lee Jin go get it for me. But it'd be interesting to see the analysis because like, uh, like it, that just, I mean, I, I guess I know it's true because people always tell me or something, but it's just at this point, it seems unbelievable. Like, like we all work in enterprise sales, uh, you know, and have, and like, it's not that I would use the phrase, it's not that hard. It's more that like, if you know, that's a problem, it's fixable. And, and like, it, it just seems weird that like such a view would persist forever. And so it makes me wonder, like in their case, like what exactly is it that they don't get about enterprise stuff that makes people say they're goofy? Like, like, does it mean that you can't talk to a Google product manager and give them $5 million to implement the feature you want? Like w- maybe, or, or does it mean that like 
they won't actually promise you an SLA they can't keep? Or like, 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 what is it? Much more simple. I think it's, it just means that it's because I I think Google has always had people that would do it. I think what, what you see, I think if you you have friends at Google or you just look at their job listings is that up until maybe Thomas Curry or even when Diane Green came in, I think, I think it was new to the company to start going out and hiring like enterprise salespeople, you know, sales engineer, uh, product managers who are, if you will, on the enterprise side, right? Talking to the customers versus like the data centric, more consumer oriented, right? And just like even their processes, right? Like I think, uh, you know, last time I sort of touched on it was you know, they had actually two recruiting processes now within Google, right? They think they were putting everybody through uh, like one, you know, one machine, but it sounds like now they actually have, if, if you're going into the, there's another track, right? For Google Cloud, which I think is just a sign of that maybe they're looking for something slightly different. So I would just say it's not that they never had these people. It's they have maybe only recently, or I guess the whole, the evolution of Diane Green, Tom Screen, it's like they've been committing to it more and more to build out an entire organization of more of these people that then, then can interact with the market as a whole mm. in a more traditional enterprise way. And it seems like they, if you look at just who they've hired and how many people they've hired, and I think this is what Gardner would say, right? This is why they're moving up. It's like they've made a very big commitment to it. That this is its own organization with inside Google, and it looks like they're well on their way to establishing all the things you need to be an enterprise vendor. That would be my analysis. So, so is there is there is there some danger of like like enterprise sales Stockholm syndrome, where like you know one one take is sort of like that uh, that thick, juicy, delicious layer of fat of enterprise software did not exist. Where like you have people you can rely on and you get kind of like more white glove service and you get more attention and they figure out what your problems are and explain to you why they're the best solution. And you might even give them a badge at some point. So they're like a badge sales engineer, which is like th- that sales engineer is going to get like an extra bonus that year. And, uh, and then they're going to come in and hang out with you and help you out. And like, I mean, to some extent people, well, not to some extent, people always complain about enterprise stuff, but it's like, what I just described is not cheap, right? Like right. if, if well, this you is, want you know, that, you pay for it. Yeah. And I was, I, this is, you know, this is, I've listened to like the A16 podcast, Andrews and Horrid's kind of crew. Like they will often say that all new startups come in if, if they're in the enterprise and they'll say like, we want to reinvent enterprise, go to market. We don't need all this. It's going to be download, try and buy. <laughs> and they always say, so this is them talking, right? They always say, no, like this has been figured, like this is an area that has already been figured out. Don't right. spend time trying to reinvent this, right? Because it's it's one of these things. And now, now you could always say like, hey, maybe there's something else that will figure it out. But there's just a point where it isn't. It isn't to your point, Coach. It's not like no one knows how to do it. Like, but you know, and, the, and we often talk about enterprise sales is really navigating the purchasing price. It's just like when you get a certain amount of revenue and deals, right? You need a salesperson that is navigating the organization, getting something through a procurement, understanding who needs to sign off on it, understanding, you know how to sell it. You need people to show up. They don't, and, and I think this idea of going on site is maybe overblown, but just like me, some people get on webinars all the time, showing yeah. customers, getting on there, answering their really specific questions, getting through their checklist, right? Like big, large enterprise has security concerns. They got to run through the spreadsheet. So it's just, I just think it's one of these things where it's like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily Stockholm Syndrome. I think it is, at this point, it's been solved. The only way to kind of like get out of that is to not sell through enterprise and keep your price point so low they yeah. do this tremendous volume in that you don't have to do this. But everybody that tries to do it, there's just this point you're going to always encounter where it's like, you know, if we hired more people, 
we could probably, we can't just, we, it's not like we just double the size of the deal. You know, we can, you know, it's like sometimes could quadruple or, you know, 10 times, right? We could say, instead of selling for 50,000, we could sell for 500,000 mm. and the client will pay for it because that's exactly, they need this level of service to get things done. So, yeah, well, I mean, and, I think it's just the part Google's going through. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think Google, you know, for a long time, um, it was like, if, you know, if you just saw our technology, you would buy it, right? And it doesn't, and, and you know, we're just that much better. Uh, people will naturally choose us. And turns out, like, te- you know, t- quality of technology does not equal enterprise wins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they scooped up a lot of the, you know, the fast moving startups and, you know, the, you know, the sorts of folks who are, you know, capable of making that transition, which is why, you know, there were a lot of the, like a lot of their early customers were, you know, this is their backup cloud, right? They, they'd already done a cloud transition. This is their second one or third. And, you know, but, but that, that enterprise sales is like, it actually takes a lot of work to onboard customers and, and train people how to use this stuff. And which is why I'm, you know, this is this is going to help them catch up, <laughs> but it's also why why like uh, like Azure just you know accelerated out of the gates because they already had that understanding. You know, Microsoft already knew how to work these enterprise accounts. You get them aligned to your message, and you're going to be selling to them for the next twenty years. Well, turns out they've been selling these companies for fifteen years already, right? Yeah. And so you know, Google is catching up to that. Korean obviously knew that. Um, it'll help them. But it doesn't help them that you know their competition knew this already. And right. you know, if you look at what Amazon and and well, if you look at what everyone's hiring, it's a whole lot of you know high touch enterprise sales engineers, you know, salespeople, you know, really strong focus on niches. Um, you know, you you can't go to one of these companies and be like, you know. I'm the, the, the guy who goes around and hops from customer A to customer B all the time. It's like, no, you now fit in a niche, right? You're mm-hmm. going to be focused on, you know, well, you might be regional niche, but, you know, it, I assume in the U.S. it's like, you know, you are in, you know, federal space for Southeast Quadrant, right? And, you know, you only visit three cities or something like that. Yeah. And I do think, you know, you go back in time, I mean, AWS, you know, went through this entire process. It was just, you know, they just kind of did it right, you know, pretty early. So it's been over 10 years, but there was a time where everything was kind of try and buy. And then, you know, like a lot of people we know, right, started to go into AWS, they build out a field organization, traditional sales. And so now it's, you know, very much invested, you know, inside that organization. They probably want to <laughs> And, and AWS you know, hired away from Oracle and HPE and yeah, IBM. I mean, it was. It was a lot of those people, right? Like we know a lot of, of people who went there for different reasons. And it's like, yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, so it, it is back to, you know, I guess your original question, Cody. It's just, I think it just takes time, right? Once you commit, one, you have to decide you want to do it. And then when mm-hmm. you start doing it, it's like, it takes time to build out all these things. But I think we could predict next year's Gardner report. We could say something like Google continues to be committed to the cloud and it's made you know, they'd say something like has made huge gains in its go-to-market and its field sales force, you know, et cetera. Things like that would be what I would expect to read. Mm. And yeah. maybe, maybe they'll have enough cash to buy Gartner. That's, <laughs> and, and they'll be like, we want to emphasize we are not a media company. We are merely buying a company that produces media. Right. But you know, not a media company. Not a, we are not a media yeah, company. Every, every Gartner PDF now has uh, embedded links. You know, <laughs> and, like, I, and I guess you successfully did that most annoying thing of uh, discussions, Brandon, which is the premise which drives your question is invalid, therefore your question is invalid. Uh, which, done which, and done. Yeah, which I, I, think, I think is probably, you know, to, to be overly simplistic. I mean, it'd be fun to see a, um, 
and maybe maybe your uh, your A16Z people have a thorough discussion. But it, I forget if this isn't the hard thing about hard things, but it'd be fun to see an analysis of basically like, well, that's how people want to buy in enterprises, right? I mean, that's just basically what their buying habits are. Well, it's, it's sort not of, how they want to buy, it's how they have to buy, right? right, right. Over and, time, and it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's want, the other side. You want to disrupt this, but, but you can't. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's worth noting, you know, because it's not like necessarily we talk about it a lot, but both Google and Facebook, right? Like they're often told these stories of like consumers, everyone's just like signing up and buying ads. And there's some of that, but both those companies have huge presence in New York City, right? They both have a ton of people. And what those people are doing is it's, you know, enterprise sales for ads, ad companies, right? Advertising. Yeah, companies, yeah. You know? They're all up there. They're having a lot of meetings. They're doing, you know, very large ad buys. They have, you know, what we think of sales engineers, right? They have people like on site with you know the ad agencies facebook will have people there helping them maximize use all the ad placement tools get all that so so sometimes i think it's just it's sort you know sort of near to violation everyone wants to think oh facebook just people just run credit cards and it's just like it just works it's like no i mean there's a huge enterprise what we would think of enterprise sales activity on the ad side right and that's a very complicated business so, and I mean, and then, and then, and then i guess it can go the other direction right that it's it's equally difficult to scale down uh, big enterprise sales to uh, high volume, low price sort of self service sales, mm-hmm. uh, and and companies struggle with that as well. It's it's uh, historically very difficult to do both of those, which I get. You know, uh, Microsoft's one of the few tech companies in in the old version of meaning of that phrase that's has been successfully able to do that. And, and well, maybe a handful of others, but like for example, IBM always notoriously bad at going down market. Uh, even mm-hmm. with the, the PC, but also other things. Uh, so yeah, I guess you sort of, uh, unless you're really uh, adept, which everyone of course thinks they are, uh, you have to choose one of those models or not. I, you know, you could you could choose both. Yeah. <laughs> I think the people that do both well use partners as the other one, because I think that's what the like a little secret of Microsoft's success rate was. They got scale, but they got scale through like you know, large partners like Dell and HP, you know, computer other other ways of doing it. So that's often a good way to segment it is to say, okay, we'll take this business and then we'll have the partners handle what we don't necessarily is, think is our, you know, strength. So, yeah. 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 Well, so, uh, yeah. Are, are, are y'all excited about the fact that we may be introducing backdoors into all encryption? I know Matt Ray is just uh, oh, lining up for it with his Matt Ray's favorite. <laughs> uh, I, I, I did like the, uh, you know, the, the commentary from the former head of the NSA, there was a tweet somewhere where someone was like, you know, uh, they're just going to add it just for non-military stuff. He's like, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I should know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it is, you know, there was, there was, I forget where he was, but the, uh, the U S attorney general, the one who in the executive branch is basically in charge of, uh, is, is it accurate to say they're in charge of basically all domestic law enforcement? that isn't like run by the park service or other weird historic institutional police forces. I mean, at the federal level, they're not in charge of uh, state municipal. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, We're I mean, going to get lost you know. in a bizarre like maze of American civics here. Our, our yeah. system is uh, federal law enforcement. There you go. There you go. And uh, he was commenting as, and, and you know, I, you might, y'all might know better, but I feel like there's maybe, let's say a seven year cycle. Where, uh, where, where someone, uh, often a uh, older gentleman who wears Dick Cheney glasses, uh, is basically, <laughs> the white dude. Yeah. Uh, he's like, guard Nabbit, 
like this encryption. Like we can't be enforcing the law if we can't uh, break into things. So, so how about how about we just make it so we can break encryption that the criminals use? And, uh, you know, it's it, I, they probably have their emails printed or something like that. But it, it, it is like it's almost it's all and and it doesn't um it doesn't fall on the the right or the left like everyone you know the Obama people wanted to do this everyone. Yeah, it, to do yeah, it. it depends who they're trying to uh, appeal to. This yeah, week. and you know it's always for the children and uh, yeah. you know, against the terrorists and stuff. But yeah, children, it, children don't want people reading their emails. No, they certainly don't. They, <laughs> they, they don't want them on your Snapchats. Kids, they, don't. they don't want you browsing their internet traffic. Let me tell they, you this. They would, however, like a backdoor to figure out my four numeric character password to uh, give them more time oh. to play Jurassic oh. Park or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so, so that might be one of my picks. I actually had, I forgot my, my parental control password. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and and there was much gnashing of teeth and i found it let me go track that down for my pick <laughs> i oh, found a way to crack it <laughs> oh that's a good yeah it's only four characters that are just numbers i mean what is that that's only going to be uh i can't do math a thousand it's, it's, it's hidden in your backups essentially yeah, like a lot yeah. it's a lot more than a thousand <laughs> yeah yeah but, but uh, oh yeah yeah okay right. <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh i as as uh pythagoras theorem that's all i know yeah. yeah anyways that's just ridiculous so that, that's probably not going to happen right? i don't know do you feel like i always feel like when this happens this is like it just it can't be done so therefore i don't i don't know i guess of all the things i worry about i guess worry in quotations like it just feels like there's no going back you can't like you can't put the math back in the box like people are going to do this no matter what so yeah i don't know it doesn't that way it just, i don't know it makes me feel good that like it really can't be fixed so it is what it is yeah yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it just boggles the mind. Just like the NSA person said. I mean, I mean, <laughs> analogously, it's like guns. Like, hold on, hold on, everyone. I have an idea. What if guns only shot bad people? We should. <laughs> yes. The solution to there being 500 million guns in America is smart guns. Yeah. Right? Smart guns. Yeah. I, I can I can use my face to pay for uh, to pay for a hot dog. Why not verify that I can shoot someone? Yeah, that would be good. So maybe that's what we need to do. We needed to get it added uh, on a constitutional amendment for a right to encryption. And then everything would flip around. People would be like, you can't take this away. We have to have encryption, right? The whole, the whole narrative would flip around. So that, that's the only solution here. I, I, do, I do like the, because, uh, you know, uh, semantically and, and whatever, I always, I always find the, uh, the hearkening back to, uh, how does it go? You had, you're secure in your papers or whatever. And there, there is a certain amount of like wicked comedy in the idea of like, I don't know, is text messaging really your papers or are papers sort of like your secret contractual agreements with people? Like the, uh, I'm sure there's some extensive documentation of what the founding fathers considered papers to be, but that is, uh, that language should be updated at some point because it, it seems a little, uh, like, like it is a photo of paper. Like it's hard to know. My voice is my password code. My <laughs> voice is my password. I like it. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it in sneakers? Is it too many secrets or no more secrets? I always forget. I think it was too many. Don't no, remember. Because, Don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Gandhi really screwed it up in that movie. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, as always, you know, we mentioned we've got the uh, software defined talk Slack channel. You should go over there. It's lively. It's fun. You can give people advice about what a uh, worthwhile uh, American uh, right leaning news source is, so they can keep up over there uh, in in Hotland, Spain. 
and uh, there's jobs posted there, all sorts of discussions of things. You can get a preview of the, um, the news we talk about. It's good stuff over there. Uh, also, uh, I, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but it's coming up actually very rapidly. It's, it's coming up August 6th and 7th. There's a DevOps Days Minneapolis. You can probably still use this code, SDT2019. I'm not really sure why we got this like eight months before it's around, but that's fine. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun little uh, comical romp there, but you should go there. I looked at their, uh, their agenda the other day just to see what kind of talks are accepted, and uh, it looks like it's got a, it's got a fantastic uh, variety of speakers and uh, people doing talks. And uh, there's also, if you go to springonetours.io, we have uh, some little regional pivotal things coming up in, uh, in a city near you throughout the rest of the year. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to any of them. I need to look that up. I should probably find out. How about, how about yourself, Matt Ray and Brandon? Anything coming up? Uh, I'm going to be in Singapore next week. We're doing a, uh, <laughs> we're doing a, a C-Starro uh, meetup. So, yeah, if you want to come, let me know. I'll invite you. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of my time, a lot of my time is uh, with customers and, uh, you know, high value targets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speak, <laughs> speaking of, of, of enterprise, Matt Ray's targets. gone enterprise on us. Yeah. Speaking of high value targets, I, I was in Munich last week. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm here this week. And some of the time I've been handwriting out some letters to send uh, signed copies of my book to high value, interesting executives. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Like the letter I had last week, I don't know. And, you know, it, it was the first sort of draft, but then on the plane up here, I came with something else. And after a while, it's kind of nice to like, mm-hmm. you kind of just zone out and, and write so, letters. So does like because, Pivotal buy like, hundreds of copies of your book for you? They do, but the way it works oh. with O'Reilly Reports. Now remember, oh. remember for those who have not been listening along, when you get one of those little O'Reilly, hold on, I don't know, the ter- that's called an O'Reilly Report. It's okay. not actually a book. As I like to joke about every now and then, uh, O'Reilly likes to call these reports, or as the rest of the world likes to call them, books. Uh, but when you do these little deals, I think basically you get a flat payment uh, unless uh-huh. like another edition or I don't know. I didn't even think I was going to get paid for it. But uh, yeah, I just got some some payment amount. But uh, I think O'Reilly makes money. Uh, I think it's okay. Like- I saw you on Twitter. You seem to be, uh, are you coming to grips with like kind of flipping it around? You know, you've, you've often uh, avoided the lead gen, but now you are, now you're out there trying to capture some leads. Like how, how's it going? How, how are you doing mentally? I was worried about you. Oh, no, I'm fine. Like- I, was, I, I was even offering to like try to uh, contact people in, uh, in LinkedIn. Like, you know, oh, you wow. mail out wow. these things and then you're going to send a follow-up email that says a package is waiting for you. Oh, nice. And, uh, I was thinking like, you know, uh, why, why don't you just write people in LinkedIn? And uh, I could do that. That would be fun. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, back when we were talking about uh, how annoying thought leaders are when they talk about travel and free mini bars and how hot it is places they're, uh, they're going, things like that, basically everything I like to talk about. Uh, I was saying, like, you know, uh, bad things are bad. That's, that's pretty much, if you're annoyed by something, it's annoying. But it, uh, so yeah, I mean, I get annoyed by like Legion stuff, and, but you know, not my own. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I mean, are I, you going to be, uh, you're going to be over here in Austin in, uh, for the, uh, the pivotal thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, in, in I was going to say, we need to, uh, maybe, I don't know. We need, maybe we need to do a book signing or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, doing that would, that? Yeah. We need to do some kind of thing that's open to the public where you don't necessarily have to have a pivotal, uh, uh, badge to get into the thing. We'll have to, we'll, we'll, we'll work on the details on that. You, you Stay can tuned, be, people. You can be a low value target. 
and I'll sign it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Do you have buying authority? Please come. That's Please right. Come. Buying come. authority or not, I'll draw a funny picture in this book, and you may have it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, do we have any uh, listener feedback or anything, Brandon? No, everyone went on vacation, me included. So I, I think everyone, <laughs> you know, all of. Um, with all the people I work for and work with in Europe, I, just, I keep getting these like preposterous in my world, preposterously long. Uh, I'll be on vacation for a month. I was like, really? Gosh, I need to move to Europe. So yeah. uh, I don't know. As you far need, as I, you I think, need to move to Europe in, in, in July and, and Australia in January. And yeah, so it's it's incredible. But uh, no, don't have any uh, any pending feedback. But of course, if you want a sticker, um, please email me your postal address at stickers. That's how far to find talk.com happy to send you a sticker pretty much anywhere in the world mm. all right well this week brandon what do you have to recommend this week uh this is kind of old one so prometheus not the monitoring system I'm not talking about this i went back and watched uh this one of the alien movies it's, i guess it's the prequel or part of the one of the prequels uh to alien mm-hmm. and uh i i watched it again and i was like i really like this movie i think it's uh I, I think it was well received, so I don't think it was necessarily panned or anything. But uh, I, I watched it yeah. again. I thought it was good. I liked, uh, and then I, I have not seen Alien Covenant, right? Because I can't remember. I get confused sometimes between like which are the crazy Alien versus Predator movies, which are fine. But I haven't. I've sort of get zoned out on those. But I need to go watch Alien Covenant, which I guess is part of this prequel series. So uh, you want to go back in time? You want to see how the world started? At least according to uh, Ridley Scott, you can uh, watch. Prometheus the movie. And I'm sure Prometheus the monitoring system, equally good. So check that out too. There's a, uh, somebody made a cut of, of the original Alien and, and Prometheus together. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, I think it's in black and white. Um, it's called Derelict. Uh, I, you know, track it down uh, if it's still around. Because um, there, was, there was a thing where uh, the director... Steven Soderbergh was doing mm-hmm. recuts of other people's movies and throwing oh, them nice. up on video. And he did uh-huh. like, um, it might've been him who did it. Uh, but he, he did a couple movies. He did like a, a 2001 cut. He did. Um, he was like, this is the 10 minute version that you will enjoy more. Yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 the derelict one intersplices those movies. Um, so they blend together. Right. So oh, it, like it, because Prometheus is the prequel to alien the first right mm. uh same planet i think okay, yeah, um, okay. I'm, I'm so, so track right that now. down they, yeah, they explain yeah, yeah. what all those big Geigerian things are i remember yeah. yeah i remember watching that movie and i didn't really realize it was an alien movie and so it was kind of delightful yeah yeah i mean i'm, I'm a sucker for those movies like i know it's kind of like kind of like x-men movies i know they might be terrible but mm. they're things that i really enjoy from like you know, oh, that that one scene was cool because I remember it from a comic book and like Alien, all that. Well, I'm gonna say all. Most of the Alien movies have something redeeming about them. Yeah. Um, there, there were redeeming things in Prometheus. Some of the later Aliens movies, not so much. Isn't Isn't Winona Ryder in one of the Alien movies? Am I remembering that correctly? Someone like yes. That. Yeah. yeah, she was in four. Yeah, I think she was in four. Um, the the one that Joss Whedon directed. Oh, yes. Well, you know, here, here's for those who are tracking annoying things that thought leaders say, if you want to go tweet them, uh, watching movies on a plane is, is good. You, you, <laughs> well, while you're, you're thinking about your deck. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Sure enough. Alien Resurrection. Huh. Shocking. Yeah, that, that was yeah. the good one because the, the director, the, the, I mean, yeah. 
That one has a That's lot of right. little yeah, quirky things that I like. like. Yeah, she kind of looks yeah. like Sigourney Reaver a little bit. All right, good to know. I mean, yeah, I yeah. that and it, it's directed by uh, uh, Jean-Paul Junot, the guy who did uh, um, like uh, Amelie and a couple other like weird French movies. So it's got a lot of weird visual mm-hmm. cuts and edits and oh, that on. Yeah, it's it's. It's and then it's got swimming aliens. I mean, there's lots of little things about it that are just really cool, right? Mm-hmm. But the movie is like, you know, you know, it's it's a solid B plus. Solid, solid B plus. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, gonna run with Brandon's. I, I have opinions about all the alien movies. <laughs> well, what do you but, uh, what do you recommend this week, Matt Ray? I'm not recommending alien movies this week. Um, no, uh, I I'm recommending. Um, Brian Eno and uh, Daniel Lanois have uh, a soundtrack that they did for a documentary um, called For All Mankind uh, from back in the, like the 1989 about the, the Apollo missions. And in, you know, it, for the, the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, um, they reissued it, uh, remastered uh, with extra tracks. And um, it's one of the like, one, uh, well, you know, I, I listen to a fair amount of Brian Eno and ambient music and stuff. And I think it's one of his best pieces. And just because you see it a lot of other places in science fiction where um, you've got your ambient music, but they tinge it with a lot of country and Western, um, like, you know, Wait, slide what? guitars. Exactly. Right. Um, you, you'll, you'll, it's, I don't know if they started the shtick or not, but like the whole thing of like outer space having, you know, country guitar picking in the background Hmm. um uh anyway uh the it's 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 really really good um soundtrack and the remaster is is you know if you already own it i don't know if it's worth buying but if you don't have it you know you can pick it up for like 13 bucks and uh it's really good yeah that's like some weird rick and morty thing like i know morty it's really a drag it's only country music out here (laughs) Huh. Well, it, it turned out the like uh, the astronauts were allowed to bring like one cassette tape with them, mm. and most of them were taking like Conway Twitty oh, kind boy. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, Neil Armstrong was like theremin music. <laughs> That's good. What, <laughs> right? what, what, what's the one that uh, like Nelson in in uh, the Simpsons, like the the singer he really likes? He goes to a movie and he just oh oh um, melts down. Oh God. It's not Burt Bacharach, but it's somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then my, my other pick, uh, if you need to track down your, your kid's iPad password, um, not, not the iPad password, but the parental control pin, uh, pinfinder.net. It's, uh, there's a lot of commercial tools that'll crack iPads for you, but uh, this one's open source and free up on GitHub. Um, and... Yeah, so if you if you have consternation about spending forty bucks to find a four digit number, uh, this one's free, and, uh, <laughs> and it $10 works. Ten dollars a number. <laughs> I wonder if you can exactly. pay that increment. Now that would be fun if you could pay it incrementally, because then you could just like you pay for three. And you know, I, I, I could have guessed the password after two digits. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> the problem is like one kid steals passwords, and you know, so you end up changing your passwords all the time. Mm. And so well, the kid who doesn't do that got mad at the first one. <laughs> yeah, got You got to get him a password manager, and then uh, just oh. don't forget that password. Big fan of password managers. The kid well, is. 
Well, my I've got a couple of recommendations this week and any recommendations since we're since we're on the movies thing. One, uh, I forget why, because but uh, but there was a on Friday night some kids were over, and we were going to watch a movie, so we decided to watch the Never Ending Story two. Um, and my recommendation is to not ever watch that movie. <laughs> Basically, it's. <laughs> You know, I, I think I think for people our age, it might be like mildly sentimental because you'll be like, oh, I remember movies exactly like that. This is basically every dumb movie that I saw at that age. Uh, I didn't like it. I remember not liking it as a kid. Yeah, it's just it's just, you know, there's some good ideas in there, but the execution leaves something to ask for. And they're really like the main evil character. She has there's no real motivation. Right. Like at least at least in the original, you have this nothing thing. And the whole thing of the nothing is that it's just nothing and it's just mindless or whatever. I, I think, right? Like it's not a sentient thing, but her, she's trying to like, you know, these villains who are trying to like rule by destroying everything. Like, I don't think that's that they need to check their math. That that isn't really, you don't end up with anything, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so don't see that movie. It's not good. Now, if you do want to see a movie that I think is even family friendly, you should see Pee Wee's Big Holiday available on Netflix. Now that's a good movie, as I mentioned earlier. And I'll uh I'll put a link in the show notes to this. But if you go search for like Pee-wee's big holiday balloon scene, you should check out the balloon scene. And if you like that scene, you'll love the rest of the movie. And if you don't like that scene, you'll still like the rest of the movie. So you should watch it. And you can just fast forward through that. And then also as a follow-up, I got uh is it is it the laundry department, Matt Ray? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got I got that book and and uh you know I think I'm I'm still reading it, so I think I like it. I could see that I could get into the other books. I think, you know, I think I've mentioned many times that uh, is is it Terry Pratchett that wrote like the uh, the disc ring things or something, some long uh, series of funny science fiction books that include like a Japanese tourist and it's where you get the turtles all the way down saying from. Anyways, because he he co-wrote uh, Good Omens with Neil Gaiman or something. Right? So you know he's like too too goofy for me to like. Right. And I think this is like a sufficient amount above Terry Pratchett goofiness that I can tolerate. I, I agree. I I just have a hard time reading reading comedy. I don't yeah. know. And and it is it's annoying to read about computer stuff in fiction. <laughs> like I don't I don't want to I don't want to I don't care. I, I do computers at work. Yep. But those are good books. Uh, well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. You can get the show notes for this episode, including that a link to that excellent scene with balloons and Amish people and uh, Pee Wee Herman. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 189, you can also, you know, while you're there, check out other episodes and figure out how to subscribe and all the usual places. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. place. Branson, Missouri. My dad says it's like Vegas, if it were run by Ned Flanders. Andy Williams! Oh, we don't need to stop here. Yes, we do! (laughs) My huckleberry friend